This is the song his lawyer walked in on. Yeah. We didn't start the fire. Yeah. But we stood there and we hosed down the allegations. We never took down to one knee. Gosh. I just can't believe that that'd be your guy. Have you heard the uh, Fallout Boy version of the like new modern We Didn't Start the Fire? I have not. Yeah. I just heard it the other day for the first time. I was like, this sounds like Billy Joel. And then somebody was like, no, dude, it's Fallout Boy. And they did an updated version of We Didn't Start the Fire. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Pete Sweeney, Arrowhead Pride, Chief Editor. I try not. Um, I try not to uh, interrupt him on his vacation time, but unfortunately, there was some news today. Uh, impromptu on a random February evening, this guy should be in like Belize or Maui or somewhere else. But uh, you know, sometimes you got to keep grinding in the off season, riding that bike, keeping that exercise at heart rate up. And today, it was uh, it was no different. A lot of Chiefs news still going on. So we are joined tonight by Pete Sweeney on the Audible. I called. Uh, I called Omaha, Omaha, like Peyton Manning did, and gave Pete Sweeney a ring. Pete, how are you this evening? I'm doing well. Yeah, it was like a, a regular season news day with all the stuff that came down. So it's okay to have a chat with you. What's happening? Yeah. Um, so let's start with the obvious that was uh, this morning, and maybe you can clarify this for, uh, you know, stadium grades and stuff for dummies yeah. like myself. The report card came mm-hmm. out, Chiefs, second to last out of every team in the league. Um what is this? Why is this important? And how does something like this get fixed? Yeah, this was started last year by the NFLPA. It was an isolated vote, an article, and study on all of the destinations in the National Football League and players' concerns and gripes and other players, you know, actually praising certain facilities. And there's a number of categories, strength rooms included in that, training room, trainers, head coach, ownership. And last year was kind of surprising that the Chiefs had ranked 29 of of 32 because all you hear about is how great it is to play for Kansas City. It's like a family. It seems like the Hunt family tries to pour money back into the franchise in in any way they can. So that was a little bit of a surprise. And two of the things that stood out were locker room, wasn't up to snuff with the rest of the league, according to some of the uh, players voting in honestly, and then the training room. Uh, And so you expected, okay, the Chiefs would address some of these issues and score better this year. And it seemed like the only thing that you could tell year to year that was different was the fact that the Chiefs exchanged stools in their regular practice facility for chairs with backs so that players could actually lean back, which uh, seemed to be some of the basic requirements for a locker room. But they adjusted that. Uh, Apparently there might have been a promise that they were about to revamp the locker room. And I know a lot of people are thinking, well, they did. Well, that's the stadium locker room. We're talking about the practice facility where they're working pretty much Monday to Saturday, and they did not do renovation there, and Clark Hunt ended up getting an F-. minus. Uh, there was one sole positive from the report where the Chiefs did not uh, get C or worse, and that was from head coach where they were number one. They got an A-plus uh, for Andy Reid being the head coach. But I think concerning that they were – 31 of 32, they actually got worse from last year. And the only improvement seemed to be the chairs. Um, and, you know, now they kind of have to look this uh, square in the face today as they're announcing potentially an $800 million renovation to Arrowhead. It's like, well, you know, how do you improve things for your, your own players? So uh, a little concerning. If you want to read more into it, uh, more than I could kind of give you on your radio, we have a whole rundown at Arrowhead Project. So what's the level of concern, like, on a 1 to 10 scale, how concerned should the average fan be receiving news like this today? Well, I don't think it's 
it's all that concerning in the sense right. of the fact that the Chiefs had back-to-back results as Super Bowl champions. I, and I think so long as you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in place, you are going to get the tiebreaker anyway. I think it, it matters more for those cities where the franchise is kind of middling, and you could say, well, you know, our facilities are state-of-the-art and have the numbers to, to prove it, and maybe that'll tip, tip the scale between Team X and uh, Team Y for example. But uh, again, I, I think, you know, you'd, you'd want to hear that your ownership was taking care of its players, though. And so I, I think generally speaking, you'd, you'd like to see things improve. Uh, for what it's worth, you know, we don't know the exact way that they conduct these surveys. We know that 1,700 players are involved. And for example, Mitch Schwartz had a retort on X to one of my tweets and, and said, you know, a lot of these players haven't been elsewhere. So it might be one of these surveys that's misguided, but I mean, there are franchises that are finishing with straight eights. Not to say that that necessarily leads to a Super Bowl title, right? Only one team can claim that uh, the past two years. But I, I think these are things that you would like to see some improvement and for this to become public and for there to be this check year to year and the players to actually be a little bit more dissatisfied. I, I think it's alarming to an extent, but not from a results standpoint. Fair point. Um, Last but not least, and it can be a really short response, uh, coincidence or on purpose that the announcement of the renovations came out like minutes after this report? <laughs> I think total coincidence. Uh, I really do. I don't think the Chiefs would have designed this so that that came out while they were chatting and, and vice versa. I mean, this is a report card on the whole league. And I imagine the teams that finished in that 25 to 32 range, no matter where you finished, uh, we're not happy regardless of what was happening today. So total coincidence and an unfortunate one, I think, uh, for Kansas City. But we'll see if there, there is a renovation to the, the practice facility in the coming year. Moving on to franchise tags, that was the news, at least this week, was the fact that Legereus Need is going to receive or has received the franchise tag and also seek a trade. Um, and then you, you sandwich that with MVS, and then you see other reports and storylines that say now it makes sense that the Chiefs might be setting up a uh, contract extension for one Stone Cold Chris Jones. I'm interested, Pete. Um, they've kind of done for the first time in my life following a Brett Veach-ran organization almost everything on par to what we kind of thought was going to happen. I can say we, like maybe you and I, having discussions but this is kind of uh, par for the course, I think, that we were expected to see. And I'm interested to know, like, do you think that this lines them up to go make a stab at a big wide receiver one in free agency? Obviously, the draft, they're going to do something there. Maybe give Chris Jones an extension and try to flip a franchise tag to LeJarrius Need for, like, a second-round pick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how this is going to go. I I still have feelings about Chris Jones and, and who's representing him and them chasing a number that is going to be unrealistic for Kansas City. And I, I don't think anything has really changed for me to feel differently about that, you know, regardless of the extra cap money. And, you know, we had wrote about how the Chiefs had some accelerators that gives them less cap money than we think. And I just know that, that Jones is going to have a lot of money in front of him on the open market. I think they're going to want to explore that. And so, you know, I'm still pessimistic about the Chiefs retaining Jones. And then every indication from the reports that you got in the previous few days is that, it seems most likely the Chiefs are going to tag Legereus Need or have tagged him. I know there's mixed reporting on it, and or are going to try to flip him for uh, a draft pick. And I, you know, I I hate to say it, but my gut right now makes me feel like they're going to, have to let these two players go and try to rebuild defensively 
with players they have scattering reports on that, that gives them value at those positions. And, you know, it's going to be nearly impossible to replace Chris Jones one for one, but the Chiefs have been awfully good at drafting and developing cornerbacks. And so you can understand why they'd be comfortable saying goodbye to Snead. And, and just like it was with the offense, we had a lot of conversations about it. You know, you take Jones out of it, it's a big loss, and maybe you're going to have to play defense a little bit differently, but I think there's a path to success. Maybe it's not top one to three in the league, but maybe you can figure out a way to, to be top ten. As, as you were mentioning, put, you put some of those resources into the offense and let Pat be an even better Pat than he was last year. Uh, we'll wrap this up real quick. Who's winning the uh, Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beaches of Florida this weekend for the PGA Tour? <laughs> well, I need to check out the field tonight. I, mean, I was oh, supposed yeah. to do it earlier today and and try to get you get you a name. You know, I haven't really been able to to look at some of the names, but I, what I would see is I as I take a quick look now to to give you an answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Ben on is never a bad play. Okay, uh, he's always a sneaky guy, and at some point. Uh, he's going to break through here. So maybe you, you throw a little uh, shekels, as they say, on, on Ben on. Okay. So you got Kisner's playing in this. Naps coming off his big win. Used to be a bouncer at a bar. I don't know if you read his story. He was a bouncer at a bar, played in a little bit of tournaments, and now just qualified for the Masters. So PJ Tour is uh, the best sport to watch in the NFL offseason, Pete, and I will stand by that until I am no longer on this earth. I appreciate your time tonight. I hope you're enjoying the offseason, though it seems like there is – no off-season whatsoever, Pete. Have a great evening. Enjoy the weekend. And when this weather gets warm, you and I will hit the golf course. Yeah, much much shorter off-season when you cover the Super Bowl champs, but that's a good problem to have. Take care, Dusty. Later. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. Here on After Hours, 610 Sports Radio, JT Dusty with you until 9 o'clock. Out of left field question coming up under 45 minutes. I feel like it's a thinking question. Speaking of thinking, are you thinking that the streak ends tonight? And that streak that I mean is Mizzou's conference losing streak is now what, 13? 14. 14. They're currently at Florida. That score is 58 to 63. If you would like to live bet Missouri money line, it is plus 950. So if you think your Tigers can pull the upset in the swamp versus number 24 down by six with 659 left, $10 will win you 90. Yeah. And like I told you during the break, like I told you during the break, I don't trust them to finish games. Okay. It's, It's shown in the stats. Just like just like Matt said with Kansas, they haven't found the way to finish. At least Kansas has found ways to finish games. Mm-hmm. Mizzou hasn't found a single way to finish a game. Well, so far, they're the better team in the second half. They were outscored 37-28 at half. They're up 32-27 in the second half. That score is 60-66, 6-23 left. Again, if you want to take Missouri now, they are plus 900. The greatness about that is you're telling me the score, mm-hmm. and mine is a little bit behind, so I know that mm. Mizzou's about to let up a basket. So great. Okay. Do you think, I don't know if you're a gambling man, but when do you think most people will believe that they think the Chiefs can win a 3 
to where they'll put a future bet on it for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I would I would say like are you saying as a regular generic mm, NFL just, fan? Yeah. Like I would say if I was that kind of person I would wait till after the draft. You'd wait till after the draft. Yeah. You wouldn't do it now. No. Okay. Just because I want to see what they do with Sneeder Jones. Okay. I thought this was an interesting stat from NFL stats on X or Twitter or whatever the hell you call it. 65-66. Now plus 300. That's how quickly it can change. That's how fast it changes, boys. 900 to 300, a matter of 30 seconds. I'm telling you, you will know if Mizzou wins because you will hear me scream. Okay. I, I I hope you should. 14 and 0 oh and 14 in conference play. But the Chiefs this year, um, they allowed the second fewest points per game. They allowed 17.3 points per game with that dominating defense. And I had talked earlier in this offseason, which is kind of seems egregious to say earlier in this offseason, since the offseason just started two and a half weeks ago, that this was probably their greatest Super Bowl win of the three. And I know there's a lot of people that would think, well, the first one was great because it had been 50 years or however many years. The one against the Eagles felt great because, you know, the way that game was played, a lot of points uh, came from behind again. Jalen Hurts was a lot of people considered, you know, kind of put to the side when it came to the MVP votes and Patrick Mahomes won it. Their defensive line, the zero sacks thing, a lot of people, you know, that was that was enjoyable. And then this season, the ride to the Super Bowl and the, the roller coaster of the season made it such as one of those ones I think some people probably – yeah, it's great, but when you peel back the onion a few layers, you kind of start to see just how great maybe this Super Bowl title was. And the teams that allowed the fewest points per games in 2023, number one was the Ravens at 16.5. The Chiefs beat that team in the AFC Championship game. The third least allowed points were the 49ers. They allowed 17.5. Essentially, the same defense as the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat them in the Super Bowl. And the fourth-ranked team, according to points allowed per game, were the Buffalo Bills at 18.3. This is why, to me, this is and was the best Super Bowl victory that this era of Chiefs has won. Because in a year where it was open to everybody, like anybody and everybody outside of Kansas City that was a competitive team in the late run and in the playoffs, Baltimore, Buffalo, San Francisco, maybe Detroit too. This was your year. This was your time, or at least maybe you thought when the Chiefs were most vulnerable. And the top five teams in the NFL per points per game in 2023 were the Ravens, Chiefs, Niners, Bills, and Cowboys. And I think the problem that a lot of people have is that we do tend to find ourselves prisoners of the moment. And that's not what I think this is. This was just one of those years where I honestly think a lot of people were like, well, it ain't going to be this year. It was fun. 
They'll readjust in the offseason. They'll add some roster moves. They'll get rid of some players they don't need, a.k.a. MBS. And we'll see what happens next year. But that's not the way the season ended. The way the season ended is you went to Buffalo and you won. You went to Baltimore and you won. You went to the Super Bowl and you won in overtime. And you beat the number one ranked defense, the number three ranked defense, and the number four ranked defense. The only reason you couldn't beat the number two ranked defense because that was you. And so I think when it's all said and done and you go back and you look at the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes era, I think 2023-2024 is still going to be considered not only the greatest Super Bowl victory run, but the most impressive because of where this team was in December, which is when this program tends to really start talking seriously about what this season could be. Christmas Day was atrocious. And then you didn't lose again. And the reason they didn't lose again is because they adjusted, they simplified, and they fixed. And if they can do that with this team, that makes you kind of believe, which is where this conversation started, as to when you might think to yourself, you know what? Maybe we could put a little cash down on a future bet because when this team gets determined, there's not a lot that gets in their way that knocks them off that determination highway. And when they lost to New England in that first year with Mahomes, they were determined to get back and win, and they did. Then they won it back-to-back, and it fell apart due to injuries. Then they got beat in the NFC Championship game, and then they won back-to-back, and now this team is determined and wants to and is showing that they want to win a three-peat. And that's why I think when you look at the numbers and you look at the statistics that this year was, if they could have done it this year in a year where probably the lowest amount of hope and the highest amount of doubt there was – Sky's the limit as long as this organization has what they have at the top, which is Brett Veach, Andy Reid, and Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion. And that's why I ask, at what point do you ride it out? And maybe not just, you know, say, hey, I'm a Chiefs fan. I do it every year. I put money in them to win the Super Bowl, and it's worked out three out of six years. But again, what are you gonna, when do you feel that you can think to yourself, you know what? Termination is what this team drives on, and this is one of those years where they're determined to win a three-peat. Now, again, there is a lot of things that have to happen. We're one day from the combine starting. I think it starts tomorrow in Indianapolis. You'll have free agency signing. You'll have uh, many other things that will happen along the ride for what is the uh, off-season schedule. But one thing that I find very interesting is that this year they had a lot of adversity, and they overcame it. And for you, I don't know what it is, and we can have that discussion maybe a little bit later. What was your most impressive playoff win? Was it the Super Bowl? To me, it was the Baltimore Ravens win because that was a team that I think unanimously people across the board thought Baltimore is the better team or has proven that they're the better team. But there's one thing that always seems to be proven to everybody else is that once the playoffs start, once the games get to a higher stake, the Chiefs seem to take that next level. And again, all this happens because they prepare themselves for this sort of thing. They are always one shot ahead of everybody else. Not to a point where I think it's annoying, but to a point where it's impressive. And when you beat the number one, the number three, and the number four team in the playoffs, according to points per game allowed, where people say defense wins championships, your defense was better than all of those defenses. And when you only allow three points per game in the three AFC playoff games, that, again, is impressive. And when everyone thought maybe this is the year the Chiefs don't do it and they do it, 
man, they keep doing this, what they're doing in the offseason, add to it and get into the draft and do some more things, that three-peat looks a little bit more of like a reality than it does a long-lost shot or a hope or a dream. But the Kansas City Chiefs this year, I still hang on to that, seeing these stats come out throughout the weeks and throughout the off-seasons. I think this is one of those teams that this, when you go back and look, when it's all said and done, if we're fortunate enough to do that and still be here on this earth to look at these things and see Mahomes right off into the sunset, you're like, man, that 2023-2024 season, that was something special. Speaking of something special, McCall Hardman, been in the news, been in the, uh, been on the Twitter sphere of talking about the Jets, but also had some audio when it came to that game and that catch and that moment here in the 2023-2024 season for the Chiefs in their Super Bowl. This is After Hours Out of Left Field Question coming up at 8. Coming up on the other side, McCole Hardman and what he's feeling and what he's thought when it comes to his whole season and why I think this team in general is more stable than others, and there's many, many reasons why. That's JT. I'm Dusty Likens. You're listening to 610 Sports Radio, and this is After Hours. Looks like 15, my guy. Looking like 15. Yeah, I've been watching. It does not look good. They can't stop the inside per, uh, inside shooting by Florida. They just keep getting it to their center. He dunks it every time. 81-72, Florida shooting free throws. About to be a 10-point game. All bets are off, as it is now, 82-72. It is what it is. And what I say? what I say? I can't wasn't, finish. Cannot finish. Uh, McCole Harbin came out the other day and said uh, that uh, there are no standards on offense according to the New York Jets, and that everyone just does what they want to do and that it's Aaron's show. He said that on the Pivot uh, podcast. Um, The other thing he says, he said, quote, there's no standard there. Everybody does what they want to do. Granted, the defense has more of a stabilized standard with the coaching staff on that side, so the defense has a standard. But the offense is just like, well, just figure it out. It's Aaron's show. Let Aaron do what Aaron does. Then when Aaron goes down, it's like, we don't know what to do. And it didn't work out for McCall Hardman in New York. And when McCall Hardman was brought into Kansas City, I thought it was pretty obvious why McCall Hardman was brought to Kansas City, right? You had guys that you thought were going to make a step or make a leap, and they didn't. Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, it didn't happen. MVS was struggling all throughout the regular season. Obviously, he was a postseason, uh, he was a postseason genius, man. Uh, which is great for him because he knew he was probably going to get cut, and now there's a team out there that's like, you know what, we'll give him a one-year deal. Why not? If we can get to the postseason and he can be effective, let's do it. But it's interesting when you hear guys like McCole Hartman say this because this was a guy that went to New York, right, got signed first game of the year, like third play of the year, Aaron Rodgers goes down, and the Jets' season is pretty much over from there. And then McCole Hartman is released and picked up by the Kansas City Chiefs, And you talk about standards and you talk about teams that have it and the Kansas City Chiefs have it. They have a standard. You know they do. And then you have McCole Hardman talking about the final play of the game. You can tell there's a different tone in his voice because he goes to a team that might have things put together a little bit better than others. Clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. He runs and he throws. Do you know I'm going to be wide the fuck open? Nah, you, wait, well, it's for man, though. Like, the play is designed for man-to-man coverage. The 49ers didn't play man right there. They was in zone, actually. So, so when, that play, when that play come in... Hey, so got trips right bunch, F, shuttle, Tom and Jerry right yellow. Orange, 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 let's go! Theoretically, you want to see 
who's if, if they're like you know if they own you if they pressed on you or whatever because obviously they gotta run run around but when I went in motion nobody came with me at all so I'm like okay it's going to the running back but thank you Nick Bosa for blowing up the backfield because <laughs> it, it was going to the running back if y'all ever, ever see the play the running back fakes the handoff and come back around and you you just toss it to him and he, he it's like a touchdown we ran a few times before it's like a touchdown but when I did the shuttle and I came I came back out, Mooney, the corner seven, he he didn't go to the flat. I'm like, I know I'm gonna be open for sure. And then literally I I just just looked and Pat looked at me dead in my eye, like, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I'm gonna throw this, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I catch the ball, I knew the game over, and then literally, once I like turn this way and go like this. I have no recollection of what happened. Kansas City, world champion! You're a champion, you world champion. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, let's go. Like, yeah. So that's McCole Hardman's audio after the game. And when you take what he said earlier about the New York Jets, and then you take it back to what he looks about into the biggest game of his life, probably the biggest moment of his life, and he describes everything that goes into that. And you think about when you hear players say the standard. This is why I think you are comfortable being a Chiefs fan with what they do and how they do things. And there are some other things that are starting to leak out with McCole Hardman, obviously. Sauce Gardner has now deleted a tweet, but he said earlier, we ain't going to talk about how the offensive game plan got leaked versus the Eagles. And then other people say, be careful getting information from disgruntled former employees. Getting beat out by a rookie free agent after being guaranteed millions of dollars is tough to deal with. Entitlement is a killer of opportunities, yo. Hey, Kenny, how you feel about McColl? Kenny then responds. He's tripping out. He ain't talking about his own work ethic and how the Georgia Eagles got our offensive game plan. Now, come on. You really think McColl Harbin's going to go all the way out of his way? To give a game plan away to another team? Be honest. Don't be sour when somebody leaves your team and things went to complete rambles or shambles. I don't know what rambles is, but shambles. And he won a Super Bowl. I think that's the biggest difference you see in a lot of teams that are successful versus a lot of teams that aren't. And throughout time, we continue to do this because I think it makes sense that the Chiefs are a lot like the New England Patriots dynasty that was. Right, We can finally, which is nice, we can finally have that sort of conversation where you don't sound like a biased Homer Chiefs fan, but you are a dynasty. You solidified that with the win over the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. And the reason that you are a dynasty is because of standards. And there are many examples throughout life when you go to things and you realize these things that certain standards make things a little bit better. And I do kind of see some of the truth that comes with the McCall Hardman contents, right? Like it's tough to keep going when your star quarterback gets hurt. I totally think that's a fair assessment. I think that's something that you can, you know, honestly say is, is something that is reality. Like we all remember when Mahomes went down against Denver, everyone went, ah, crap. Now what? But it's up to those teams and that coaching staff to continue to keep things aligned and where they should be. And I think that that's why the chiefs are so much more advanced and so much better than other teams is that it's outside of 
just the God-given talent that is on the field for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's outside of just how good Travis Kelsey is, how good Isaiah Pacheco is at running the ball in this system, how good Patrick Mahomes is at playing the quarterback position. It's more so about how you're prepared, the situational sort of play that you're put into, where you need to be and how you need to be present in those situations. In the Jets, you can tell there was a ton of distractions this year. Right, Aaron Rodgers went down in the entire season for the New York Jets was just all about Aaron Rodgers. That's not how the Chiefs operate. I was on with Fesco in the morning on Monday morning. We were talking about how there's not a whole lot of guys that do a bunch of talking for the Kansas City Chiefs. Justin Reed found out really quick, right? One of your defensive leaders would go out and tweet back at the Cincinnati Bengals who were talking a bunch of bull junk. And then Andy Reid's like, yeah, that's not what we do here. And everybody realized it. Tyree Kill, when he was here, very flamboyant personality, very loud and about, was very well kept in this system. Goes to Miami, all of a sudden Tyree Kill's everywhere. And it's not so much that the Chiefs didn't want him to be successful outside of football. They just knew that stuff like that could probably leak to be a distraction or we could cause bad media towards something that they're not trying to do because they're trying to win championships and be the standard. So when McCall Hardman comes out and says these sort of things and people get upset about it in New York or New York players come out, they're like, oh, well, this guy just, you know, he's sour grapes because he's, no, you all released McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman went back to the team that drafted him and was a valuable asset when it mattered most. He caught the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. And one thing McCall Hardman will never forget, but might not remember everything, is playing for the New York Jets. But one thing that McCall Hardman will never forget and will never not remember is catching that ball in the end zone in the Super Bowl to win the game. And you hear him describe that situation. You hear him describe how the play works and how he looks right at Mahomes and Mahomes looking at him and they're both just know like, this is it. All you got to do is catch it. And in the most important time of the year, where the Kansas City Chiefs all year had had drops that had crushed games or decided games in the negative way, and the biggest point of the game, of the biggest game of the year, and the biggest league of sports, McCall Hartman made the catch. And the reason that he made that catch is because he was put in that position because the team trusted him to make that catch because the standard that is the Kansas City Chiefs and the standard that is winning and the standard that is running things and doing things in a way that they do that no one else does gets them to that point of winning Super Bowls and winning championships because they don't think that they have that player on their team. They don't have that Aaron Rodgers sort of persona because you saw how Aaron Rodgers was all year, blown Achilles, oh, I'll be back. Yeah, I'm already running, I'm already walking. And then when it got... Push comes to shove time, Aaron Rodgers ain't going to be back. Well, no kidding. You blew your Achilles and you made the whole season about you because maybe there is some sort of truth into this. Now, there's always going to be people that are going to say, well, maybe he talked a little too much. Maybe he said things that maybe he shouldn't have said. But who cares? You released him. He's telling people what he went through in New York, and he's letting people know what he went through in Kansas City. And even though it was a short time here this season in Kansas City for McCole Hardman, maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't. At least he knew what his role was and what the team was, even though he was only here for a short few months. 
Now, I understand that he had been here before, but it was still a different team than he had been a part of in years past. But that's the difference in winning and continuous winning in the NFL is the standard. And right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are the standard, and the New York Jets, who are what seems to be a very troublesome franchise, at least at this point. Now, they'll get get Aaron Rodgers back next year. But it's one year older, one year out, and one new year for Aaron Rodgers in a system where, well, we'll see what the standard is. That's JT Noah. I'm Dusty Likens on the other side. We'll continue after hours and coming up at 8 o'clock. You'll get that out of left field question that brings us all together on the Jay Southland Toe Service text line 913 586 7610. This is 610 Sports Radio, and you're listening to After Hours. I hate when my mind gets off track and I see things on Twitter that make me think. This Am I wrong to think The Sandlot is a much better movie than Major League? No. I like The Sandlot. Because I saw today in sports on Twitter, and it says, tough choice pick one, The Sandlot or Major League. And I feel like if I was 46, I would probably say Major League hands down. But I'm 36, and The Sandlot ran my life for an entire summer. I'm not even kidding. I had an L.A. Dodgers hat because of Benny the Jet Rodriguez. I wanted P.F. Flyers because he had them. And I could quote that movie from start to finish if I sat down and watched it from the beginning to the end. But damn, is Major League a good baseball movie. Like, it's tough to rank the top five baseball movies. But I feel like Sandlot and Major League are probably one and two. But then I get into, like, Rookie of the Year, Little Big League, and then probably Field of Dreams. I would probably put those as my top five. And I don't know how many of those movies you've seen. None of them? I've seen some, but not all. Never seen Rookie of the Year? I've seen Rookie of the Year. Seen Field of Dreams, and that's... What was the others? Sandlot, Major League. Seen both those? Yeah. Never seen Little Big League? No, I haven't seen Little Big League. Oh, man, Little Big League's great. His name... Yeah, Billy... Billy Hoyle, I think that's his name. So basically the movie is kid's grandpa dies. He's the owner of the twins. He leaves the entire organization to his grandson, Billy, at the age of like 11. Billy doesn't like the way the manager's running the team, fires him, and takes over as an 11-year-old kid. Fantastic movie. Sounds, sounds great. Yeah, you should check it out. It's a good one. I'm sure it's on one of those streaming platforms. Did you also hear that Netflix is raising their prices again? Hey, hey, hey. keep that low. Okay. My mom, my mom, my mom's listening. I don't okay. need her. To, I don't need her going okay. crazy. But yeah, I've heard. I've heard. I saw Carrington go again. Mm-hmm. But w- why are we going up again? I don't know. They don't have anything like built in with it. Like when you get HBO Max, mm-hmm. you get some sporting or like some uh, sports events with it. When you get Hulu, you got sports events. Mm-hmm. Netflix, you don't get no live sports events. No. So I don't get why they're upping their charge again. I feel like they're on the decrease, so why would you increase your price? I will also say, like, has Netflix plateaued? Like, can it get better than it already is? That's what I mean. Like, aren't they on the decrease? Like, you can't get any better than what they're at because if you go, oh, let's add sporting, well, the other platforms have already added sporting events. And that's what I find interesting. 
Oh, yeah, Billy Hoyles from White Men Can't Jump. What was Billy's last name in Little Big League? <sighs> Bowers. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, because I, I wanted to have this discussion last night. We ran out of time, but I just feel like if Netflix is going to continue to raise their prices, like, give me something. Right, like, I think we also kind of have the the disappointing taste in our mouth with the, the Casey Curran's pricing situation. But they built a stadium. Their team is evolving. We kind of knew something like that was going to happen. Right? Pricing is going to go up in somewhere. Now, 50 bucks is kind of a, a, a sting. But, man, Netflix? Again? No sporting events? Just Netflix original series? Or things get put to specifically? To, I don't know. The only thing Netflix is riding high on right now is they had suits. Mm-hmm. And it went crazy. It did go kind of crazy. Because it's been out for a while. Yeah, I mean, the last the last season aired five years ago. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it just went nuts. That's kind of the way it goes. Like, I remember I started The Office really late. Because I remember watching, like, Billy Haywood. That's what it is. Way to go. There you go. But I think when you look at Netflix, and the next, the text line nails it from the 785. Well done. It is the crime or the murder documentaries that keep you involved in Netflix. And I don't know how much true crime JT's watching. I love true crime. Love it. Love it. And I don't know why. Yeah. It's, I have It's no kind of creepy. It's kind of creepy. I always root for the good guys, of course, but I went, I go through like phases where like, I'll leave this show, go home. And the first thing I will do is find a new crime documentary to watch. Like I've watched all of like the serial murder video or uh, audio tapes. Oh yeah. Same. Like the Dahmer tapes, the the Bundy tapes, all that. So I have, so we're going on that golf shorts trip. Mm -hmm. Well, 15 hours, there's this series I found called death in the dorms. Part two, mm. there's six episodes, and I'm like, you know what? They're 40 minutes each. This is what's going to be the first thing on my list while we're in the car on the way to Gulf Shores mm-hmm. because it's about real-life murders at college uh, dorm rooms, and it goes inside to, like, where, what happened to the roommate, like, mm-hmm. all this, how the campus handled it. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went through a hardcore crime doc just, like, binge. I watched the the Boston Marathon bombing one. That's so good. Did not know that was the situation. I mean, I knew about it, obviously. I didn't know he was hiding in a boat. I knew that. Okay. I, just, I didn't know there was, like, a standoff, and a dude got ran over. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, I watched uh, American Nightmare, where they thought they were trying to do a Gone Girl ripoff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Completely wrong. I watched, um, gosh, what was another one that was really good? Um Lover, stalker, murderer. That one blew my mind. And then I'm watching one now that's called like the Mormon church bombings. And it's one of those things where like I tell myself, oh, it's three parts. They're an hour and 15 minutes each. And then it's 1.14 in the morning and I've watched all three episodes. And by the way, how dare you say Netflix doesn't have sports. Because the 913 lets you know that in 2025, 
Netflix is getting WWE Monday Night Raw. How stinking lucky are we? There you go. So you can keep up with L.A. Knight, Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, not the documentary, but the wrestling persona. Somebody says, y'all watch the broadcast host killer series. No, but it's in the queue. Maybe it gets watched tonight. But yeah, Netflix, you got to stop, man. Because this is the problem we thought we were going to run into that we eventually are going to run into. That you're eventually going to have three to four different streaming devices and they're going to cost altogether more than cable. You want to you talk about one that you need to watch? Mm. Have you seen Evil Genius? Yes. Oh my gosh. That one was insane. Yes. Have you watched Don't Blink with Cats? No. Watch that one. Watch that one. Brutal. Gosh, have you watched the uh, the Texas Killing Fields? Yes. So good. Crazy. I'm telling you, man, I go through binge watching on documentaries of crime docs all the time. I, I was just saying, I, I do too. So like, It's the, wild. The, I mean, the Waco one, American Apocalypse, crazy. Saw it. Un- insane. Yeah, it's just wild to me. And anytime there's like a new one, because here's, I don't know what your process is on Netflix. I think a lot of us just go through a bunch of them and then we're like, all right, just turn on something else. I will say that I always go to top 10 trending only on Netflix. And then I'll go to like, what's the one where it's like, because you watched. And then I'll go check that out. Netflix does have stand up comedy, which is nice. Okay. I was, yeah, they do have that. Did you watch Shane Gillis on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Hilarious. So good. His stand up on Netflix. Along with the emu. Mm. Oh my gosh. T Mobile has Netflix on us as part of their plans. Hate their prices, but love the benefit. Yeah. Wait, what's T Mobile got? It has Netflix on us as part of their new uh as part of their plans. Well, they also get uh I believe it's MOB TV or something. Uh-huh. So T T Mobile must have something going good with the sports. Somebody also says from the seven eight five search nine eight seven five for true crime on Netflix. I don't know what that is. Have you ever watched Our Father on Netflix? Brutal. Bad. Brutal. What is it? The Killer Next Door? Another one. Oh, gosh, so bad. There was the one. I don't remember what it's called, but it was about the guy that they, I think it was their father, and they figured out their father was the murderer of the city. And I was like, insane how this daughter found out that her father was the serial murderer in their town. Mm. Hate to see it. But yeah, I feel like no matter what, Netflix is always going to have us. It's always going to have us. It is that time of night. It is close to 8 o'clock. We like to have fun with this. It is the out of left field question. I always give you the question before we go to break. The number that you need to know is 913-586-7610. That is the J. Southland Toe Service text line. Here is the question. What was normal... 20 to 30 years ago, that is now considered a luxury. The question again is, what was normal 20 to 30 years ago that is now considered a luxury? 913-586-7610. You have two and a half minutes to think, and then we will dive into the out of left field question that is, again, what was normal 20 to 30 years ago that is now considered a luxury?